It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. All right, welcome back in. And uh, welcome back into the third hour. Even though it's Tuesday, we are going to be turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. But uh, one of the things that we can talk about with you is also what you thought of the LED drone show. We'll talk about that with Jack, too. We'll talk about the Paul Coderre situation. But Jack was also at the inauguration last night. And we will get into that and what 2024 looks like for New Bedford. What it looks like, but you know what, Jack? It's been been a few weeks since we played the Rolling Stones. They're probably in need of the royalties, so let's uh, let's fire up some Rolling Stones here. Yeah, good old age. So, and speaking of shining lights, they were shining some lights over downtown New Bedford from those uh, LED drones last night. Instead of fireworks, they had this drone show. You were down there. You got a chance to see it. What'd you think? Yeah. Now, so I was at the top of the hill, so I was probably at too much of a distance to hear the um, coordination with the music. Uh, it was impressive. Uh, it was beautiful. And in particular, like the ships, the, the shapes of the whale and the uh, fish. And um, even the New Bedford was spelled out, Happy New Year. They were nice, but um, you know, maybe I'm just an old guy who likes the traditional things. There's no big boom. There's no big explosion like you would have with fireworks, and so I like that. And I heard you talking earlier about there weren't the oohs and the ahs from the crowds, and there weren't. And I think that that that's probably because the sound and the and the the, the, the drone lights come up very slowly and they sort of form themselves, and it's not as um, explosive and experience as fireworks are. So myself, I'll, I'll take the fireworks, and it's too bad because this would, be, would have been the first clear year in a couple of years, I think, where it wasn't too foggy to see the fireworks. It looked like there was a low cloud ceiling, though. Yeah. W- was that the case downtown? I mean, I'm just looking out the window uh, as I was driving back from Edaville. So. Yeah, I had no trouble seeing everything. Like, you know, everything was, was, was clear from the top of the hill, but... but um. But you feel like if they had set off fireworks, they would have been fine. Like, yeah, I think they would have. I, I you know, I, I mean, what, I mean, it was um, discernibly. I don't know if it was last year and in Fourth of July, a, a recent one, we had a fog, which is very unusual, and um, and it was, you know, there were complaints that you couldn't see them, um, but I, I don't think that would have been the case last night. Well. This is kind of the future, I think. I think this is what you're going to probably have going forward. But I'm sure that the city will take some of this feedback, too, from people if they have ways that they think it can be made better. Uh, one, of the, one of the complaints that I read from somebody was that it took too long for the shapes to form into something else and turn into something else. And people kind of were losing interest a little bit. Yeah, I would argue that they should do this as a supplement um, uh, to fireworks. It's just not a celebratory. It's more artsy. Than a, a firework thing, and I think on nights like Fourth of July and New Year's Day, people want a celebration, and I did not get that feeling. Now, maybe you know, I'm, I mean, I tend to 
see things in a kind of iconoclastic way. So maybe I'm not the uh, average person. I did speak to other people who really liked it, but um, I, I would not be happy if this was going to be the only thing. Well, we will certainly, well, we get a call here. Maybe it's somebody who wants to uh, call in and, and chime in on that. So let's take it. Good morning. You're on with Jack Spillane. Hello. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, Gilly. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, New Year, Gilly. Year. Happy New Year, Jack. I just want to, you were there, Jack. Well, I'm about to say you were a witness to this last night. Um, and it's got to do with Linda making the speech at Keith and what she did before they went up to Keith. Uh, I was waiting for you to come on here. Um, I got down to City Hall about five uh, five thirty. When I got there to go to the meeting that they had for six, um, Giesta, Brian Pereira, they were outside. So I pulled up out where I usually park. And then Linda Moret came and then um, Joe Lopes walked by me as I was standing outside my car. Uh, he was on the phone. And then uh, and, uh, the president came, Naomi uh, Connie, she parked her car in front of us. I, I, I don't and, mean to be rude, Gilby, we, we gotta get right to the point here. Well, right to the point is, see, I, I know I'm gonna be rushed, but what happened was I was standing outside, they all came, and, and Maria Giesta had her sister with her. They all went inside City Hall. This is like maybe 20 minutes of six, all right? And I went to go in, and the door, they wouldn't let me in, okay? But they let her sister in. She have any right, more rights than I do as a citizen to go into the city council because she was with her sister? I was shot out. And then Jack came, he was shot out. And then who the other gentleman, Jack, that came that was going to be confirmed as a solicitor? Uh, Sean Oliver? No, John, Sean, no, Oliver. He, he came later, but the gentleman that's going to be a solicitor. Um, oh, yeah, I, I saw him. I, I don't know what his name was, but yeah, yeah, he was there. Yeah. We were all shut out. Why yeah. were we shut out? Why was I shut out? My rear Giesta sister sister was allowed to go in. She ain't no different. She's a regular Joe Small like me. Yeah. It, and then she gets up there. She goes to the city council. I mean, uh, Keith. And she makes a speech, and she attacked people in a speech about everybody should be together. Am I wrong, Jack? If I'm wrong, stop me. She makes a speech about. Everybody should get together and work together and blah, 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 and do this and do that. She should start with herself to do that because she's the one that's causing all the problems, okay? There's no reason. She says they're going to change, they're going to do this, but yet she proved it right from the beginning, Jeff, and there's a camera over the elevator. You can see who went in and who was outside. But she made a speech that she wants to work with everybody. She didn't want to work down in the beginning, so it's going to get the same stuff going on that was going on before. She thinks she's better than everybody else. And mark my words, you know, like I told you guys back in September, she was working for Naomi to become president. So she's not going to change. She's still going to be the way she was, and she's going to run that city council. There's no reason why they let Giesta's sister go in there and not me. We're no difference. We're not, because 
is who you know, and it's been proven. That's all they do is they take care of their own. All right. Well, let's get Jack's reaction to it. Thank you for the call, Gilly. So, so the, I, I was not there when um, Councilor Morad and GS's groups went in. Um, I, I came a little bit later, and then the door was locked, and I thought that was unusual because, you know, um, I was there about 10 minutes before 6, and that's a time when the door should be open for any minute, but even the public that wants to come in. Uh, Sean Oliver, uh, uh, three council arrived, and he went up, and he could not get in, and he called someone, and then and they let him in. And it, it looked like the doors were, were, were locked to prevent Gilly, who, you know, has a, uh, a, a, I don't know how you would describe his relationship with Councilor Morad and se- several of the other councilors, not a good relationship. And um, so uh, it did look like the doors were locked. And Councilor Morad's speech was very gracious and um, uh, uh, calling for healing on all sides. Um, uh, between the mayor's office, the council, the media, everybody else in the city, um, I thought it was a good speech. But it 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 is, you know, if indeed that's what she was trying to do was was to keep Gilly out by locking that, you know, I think that you know unless Gilly has done something violent or threatened somebody, you know, I think that that he's a member of the public. As you may find him annoying, he carries a sign that insults uh, Council Morad all the time. You know. I hope you don't take offense, Gilly, but I feel like you've made your point with that sign, and I think it's not uh, productive at this point to always be carrying it, but but um, you have a right to carry it, and I'll defend your right to carry it. That's free speech in America, in my opinion. But, but as you know, sometimes the message gets lost when the medium is and kind of overexposed. It, when you do yeah. it all the time, the same thing all the time, it, you know, it, it comes to a point, you know, and I've, I've experienced this myself in my writing, uh, so uh, I, I just think that, um, you know, whatever happened with those doors being locked, it, it, I don't think that was the right do you, approach. Do you think this is one of those new measures that they were considering in that, in that uh, executive session? I don't know. I don't know. At first, I thought they were going to have some sort of police escort in and out. But there was um, one officer there last night. But that's, that's been the case for most of the last year, even before that, last several years. Uh, so I didn't see anything unusual that came out of that meeting. Uh, I was concerned about that meeting because um, it was took place and it was adjourned in private, so you didn't really have any idea what was going on. There's been no statements coming out of it. Uh, they may say that it's a personnel ma- matter. If the personnel they're talking about are elected officials, I would make a distinction between people who work for the city and pe- being a personnel matter and people who are elected who are always accountable and and for better or worse, their problems are, are, are discussed in public. Like, you know, so uh, so I, I don't know exactly what happened, but it, it was a little bit um, uh, not the optimum, I don't think. And, and But you said that uh, Councillor Morad's speech was, was very um, pushing toward an idea of putting all that stuff from the last year behind them and kind of moving forward with a new approach and a new a new direction. Yes, and it was it was calling for people to work together as one team. Uh, you know, a, a team thing has been a, a theme that Councilor Morad has ha- had as far as the council goes. They should act as a team. But this was really a team, the whole city. And the city, uh, the, the mayor's office, the uh, city workers, the council, the, the school department, and then she specifically named the media and the public at large should all work together, which would include WBSM callers. And I thought that those were good things. I do think it's possible to disagree and not be disagreeable. Mm-hmm. And so I think you can state your point that you strongly disagree with something that someone is advocating. 
and um, you can even question their motives. But at the end of the day, you have to um, uh, try to maintain some sort of um, uh, mutual teamwork. Or else, as, as, as more I speech, and I have to go back and listen to it, um, said we're going to descend into the same kind of divisiveness that you get at the national level these days. So I will ask this. Um, we are going to have, well, let me go back to Gilly's comment. So uh, you've been around the council for a long time. You know the individual personalities that are involved. Uh, this is going to be Naomi Carney's first time with the gavel. Uh, do you think that she is, as Gilly is alluding to, a, a puppet president for, for Linda Morad? Is this, is this council, Councilor Morad controlling things? Or I think that's shortchanging Council President Carney and, and you know, her um, earning of that spot. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that Councilor Carney, there's no doubt that she often is voting the same way as Councilor Morad. It's no secret. They're both conservative. And so they're going to tend to vote in the same manner. Whether there's been some arranged votes and deals over the years, I, I think there probably has been. But that's not just with uh, Councilor Carney. It's with all council, mm -hmm. kinds of councilors. And there may have even been um, a deal... That, that accounts for her rising to the council presidency. That's that's the way politics works. You know, that, that's fine. But I think deals should be discussed publicly, you know, if, if you're going to have them. Um, there was a well of affection for Councillor Carney last night. I, I've criticized Councillor Carney pointedly over the years over any, any number of things. But I've always liked her. She's always returned my phone calls. And by the way, Councillor Morad approached both... Um, Arthur Hirsch, our news reporter, not an opinion columnist like myself, last night and said she would return our phone calls, which I was just so pleased to hear because I think you do have to return the calls of people that you disagree with. You know, it's just uh, even people, reporters who are not disagreeing with you so much as maybe you think the way they covered it was unfair. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but you have to keep communicating. And um, so I thought that was a good sign from Councilor Morad. Um, uh, Councilor Carney has always returned calls, even when you disagree with her. She's always been very professional, very gracious. She doesn't hold it against you if you no. if you disagree with and, something she does. And even when she returns your calls, she holds her ground and she states her case. Um, but she's always pleasant and courteous. And I think people were genuinely happy last night to see her become the council president. And you could see that she's, I think... If people, someone can correct me if I'm wrong. She's the first Cape Verdean woman to be council president. There have been Cape Verdean men. But uh, so uh, I think that it was a, seen as a real achievement. Um, there have been some concerns expressed as to whether she is up to the job, you know, because it's, it, it's a lot of parliamentary procedure. I think Naomi Connie is a smart woman. She may have some uh, rough edges in, you know, the way she phrases things sometimes, the way we all do. Um, but I think she'll rise to the occasion. Well, she's been there. She's seen how it all works. She, yeah. she has the, the working knowledge I of I mean, there's no doubt that some people are quicker studies than others. I would include uh, myself as not a particularly quick study. But, but um, I, think, I think she'll rise to the job. All right. Why don't we take a break? 508-996-0500. We'll be right back more with Jack Blaine when we return in just a few moments. And we are back with Jack Blaine turning on the light. And we're going to talk some more about what happened uh, with the uh, inaugurations last night, the city council reorganization. And uh, we'll get the list of all the committees and everything. They'll probably release that today. And we'll put it up on the website today. Uh, do you foresee anything changing uh, with some of those committees? I mean... 
Well, I think one of the big ones is that Councillor Abreu is going to be the chair of appointments and briefings, is my understanding. Now, when I asked Councillor Connie last night, she said she hadn't made her final decisions. So, but I think it's probably she knows some of them, but she just wants to announce them all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a, a good sign that Abreu is going to be appointments and brief, briefings chairman. Uh, he has been at odds with Councillor Morad, and um, this shows that he's going to have a better relationship with Councillor Carney, and I think that helps prevent the council from descending into factions as it has before. So I think that's good. Um, I also think that Councillor Carney, although I like her, was known to keep things bottled up in the appointments and briefings committee, specifically mayoral appointments. I don't think that helped the mayor. I don't think it helped the city. And I don't think it helped the people who are willing to volunteer their time to serve in these committees because you try to do something good for the city and then you get you get wrapped up in politics and you're not really a politician and you're trying to do something good. And because someone doesn't agree with your philosophy or whatever, I always say it's not the council's appointment. It's the mayor's appointment unless the person is blatantly unqualified or somehow unethical. Right. You know, you, and you, you confirm them. It's, it's the same thing with like president, presidential appointments. It's, it's a check and balance. It's not equal appointment. That's not what it is. You know, it's a check and balance. Not, not to mention, though, holding people up like that means that they might get pulled in another direction while they're waiting for their confirmation. Oh, we've had any know? number of people who've, who've withdrawn in the city, as we know, has a hard time getting volunteers for these committees. So I think that's one thing about Councillor Carney that I didn't like that I think that Councillor Abel will be a little better at. All right, let's take a quick call here before you have to go to the news. Good morning. You're on with Jack Spillane. Hello. Good morning, Jack. I just wanted to um, say to you, what a wonderful job you've done the whole year with the star story. And um, you're great. You are. Oh, thanks, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) You are such a great reporter. I mean, honestly, I, I just... I love your reporting, and I just wanted to personally tell you that. Oh, that's so nice. That's so nice of you. I, I certainly hear it from the other direction all the time, so I, I really appreciate that. No, you, you really are. You're, you're amazing. And, um, oh, I can't wait for you to um, follow up on these other stories that are hitting us. And, um, yeah, I just, I just can't wait for you. For more of your reporting. Well, you're going to get a lot of them on Thursday because he's going to be in here for me. So. I know because you're it's your birthday, birthday boy. Yeah, but that's not. I don't don't spread the rumor. <laughs> I'm taking the day off because it's my birthday. I, I I hate when people do that. So no, you have a doctor's appointment in the morning. I do, but it'll be over pretty quickly. And I could have come in later on, but you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push Jack Why? out of the chair. No, so. Jack's Jack's, right. Jack's excited. To... Let let him make a few dollars. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Getty. You have a great day. Thanks. Thanks. Ah, Well, thank you. Bye. Take it easy. And we do have to go into the newsroom, but we'll take more of your phone calls on the other side. 508-996-0500. Right now, let's get all the headlines of the day with Ariel Dorsey. Five members of the Japanese Coast Guard are dead after a fiery plane crash at a Tokyo airport. Japan Airlines Flight 516 apparently collided with the Coast Guard aircraft as it was attempting to land this morning, then streaked across the runway on fire. The airline says the nearly 380 passengers and crew members were all able to evacuate. Federal authorities are investigating a New Year's crash that killed two people and injured five following a concert in Rochester, New York. 
York as a possible act of terrorism. The accident involved three vehicles early Monday morning, one of which exploded. First responders reportedly found at least a dozen canisters of gasoline in and around the car that exploded. Israel will be withdrawing several thousand troops from the Gaza Strip. The IDF made the announcement Monday, noting the nearly three-month war has taken a growing toll on the Israeli economy. More than 85% of Gaza's residents have been displaced from their homes, according to the United Nations, and the fighting has left more than 20,000 people dead. The makers of a formula for babies with allergies to cow's milk are recalling the product over possible bacteria contamination. Corporate leaders with Reckitt Mead Johnson say some batches of their new Traumagen powder are affected. The recall applies to some 12.6 and 19.8 ounce cans of the formula with the use-by date of January 1st, 2025. A Minnesota man who spent years building a record-setting collection of items related to the rock group KISS is selling it off due to financial problems. Vern Simon conducted a count of the items in his collection last year and found that he had nearly 3,800 KISS-related dolls, comic books, toys, and other items. After he submitted the count to the Guinness Book of World Records, he was certified as having the largest known collection of KISS memorabilia. Simon says he's sad to have to let his collection go, but said it was necessary to find a way to take care of his family. And the stage is set for the college football playoff national championship game. Top-ranked Michigan will meet second-ranked Washington in this year's title game after both won semifinals on New Year's Day. The Wolverines knocked off fourth-ranked Alabama in overtime 27-20 at the Rose Bowl to earn their first-ever trip to the CFP title game. The Huskies held on to beat third-ranked Texas 37-31 in the Sugar Bowl, also earning their first ticket to the championship matchup. In more sports, after missing Sunday's victory due to a right elbow sprain, the Celtics will have Drew Holiday back in the lineup when they visit the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Celtics entered tonight's contest on a six-game winning streak. The Bruins visit the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight at Nationwide Arena. Tonight's battle is the third and final meeting between the Bruins and Blue Jackets during the regular season. And the Patriots announced that tight end Matt Sokol and offensive lineman Andrew Stuber have reverted back to the practice squad. The Patriots will host the New York Jets this week. And they are also projected to have the third overall pick in the 2024 draft. Now let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6. Bundle up, everybody. It's cold outside, mostly sunny skies this morning with a sunrise of 713, sun setting at 426. Temperatures will be topping out in the lower 40s for this afternoon, quite seasonable under mostly sunny skies. Clear and cold overnight tonight in the mid-20s, mid-40s for this Wednesday. And keeping an eye on a slight chance for some snow or rain on this Thursday. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast from the ABC6 Weather Center. I'm Meteorologist Sassi del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. And I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. Get breaking news alerts, stream audio, send us text messages, and get live traffic and weather updates all on the WBSM app. Download it now from your app store or at WBSM.com. And welcome back in. We are turning on the light with Jack Spillane, who will be your Thursday morning host this week. Uh, and also on the 19th, you'll be filling in for me as well. So, And we will certainly take more of your thoughts and calls uh, on the inauguration last night on the 
2024 agenda of the city council and, and the and the mayoral administration and all of that. Um, but I also want to talk about what happened Friday night here uh, at the Bayside Lounge. I mean, what a what a shocking story. And for those of us who knew Paul Cordero a little bit from from working with him when he was uh, the acting fire chief and his deputy fire chief, you know, I I was shocked. I mean, I I kind of had a feeling the minute that it was reported that it was a former member of the New Bedford Fire Department. I said, oh, geez, I hope it isn't Paul Cordero. But, I mean, it's still it's still a surprise. It's still a shock. Yeah, it's a terrible tragedy all around and, and, a, and a sad end um, uh, to his troubles. Uh, uh, I did not know Chief Cordero. I, I did notice something odd when he was the acting chief in that he did not return, um, at least the media that I was working for, his calls directly. It was always the deputy chief who was, I think, Scott Kruger at mm-hmm. that point. Um, and I thought that was odd that, you know, I didn't know that he was out on disability all that time. And that's why, because the the, the, the um, city never made that known. I think they should have, especially as it got to be more than a month that he was not working. Um, you know, we've all read about the um, uh, firing uh, that he had and, and um, then he appealed. And he just won the appeal with the civil service uh, a month ago. And then the mayor announced very quickly that he intended to appeal that. I don't. I don't know what the law is. I, I think more reporting could have been done on that. Um, but what a sad uh, tragedy for him, for his family, for the city of New Bedford um, uh, to to have this uh, troubled ending. I I do think that um, and I'll probably get some uh, complaints about this, but I think alcohol and, and firearms is a bad combination. If you tend to, if you intend to go out and drinking to more than one or two beers or more than one or two drinks then I think it's better not to carry a firearm. Well, by law, you're not supposed to carry your firearm on you if you are going to be drinking. Oh, really? Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you get caught drinking and you have your your firearm on you, they can take your license away. So that shows you how out of the loop I am because I would never do that. Uh, But... But um, there's been times that I've had yeah. mine on me where I've said, yeah. you know, there's a chance I might be going to drink. I'm, I'm not going to be carrying today. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. because I, I don't want to do anything that would cause me to lose my license. Yeah. Uh, so let's take a phone call here. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Mary. How are you? Um, I still have it. It's not gone yet. Um, I'm calling about that acting police chief. When, uh, when he shot that other cop in, in the leg, were the other cops already there? Did they see him do that? My, my understanding is that they did. It was, it was, he was not a, a police chief. He was a fire chief. Um, oh, so, I'm sorry. Yes. yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So they witnessed that and they saw that he shot him in the leg. So couldn't they have shot him in the leg? Did they have to like take him out like that? Well, well you know, Mary, that's the, that's the, um, arguments you always get on these police shootings and you know we've heard it more often when it involves african-americans and couldn't they have wounded them and i think that the um the philosophy and and a a law enforcement officer can correct me if i'm wrong here is overwhelming force when someone takes a shot at a police officer because if you try to shoot for the leg which is a more difficult shot obviously and you miss he may then take another shot at you because he's seen now that you've shot at him and and kill you and so the public safety thing is that 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 the the law enforcement officer is the totally innocent party here the the aggressive person is the um alleged perpetrator who's doing whatever they're doing and once you take a shot at uh, a police officer 
you're going to have overwhelming force come down on you. I mean, they, they don't train to, they, they don't train to, to take shots like that. They train to shoot to kill. Um, and so that okay. becomes, that and, becomes and, your instinct. And, and there was controversy over that. They, 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 there was some, there were some who feel yeah. that they took quick. And there, there to was, do that. there was more than one police there other than the one that shot him, right? There were other cops. Yes. There were multiple officers so from, you know? from three different locations. Okay. So in, in a moment like that, then where you have to shoot him. How do you know which cop is going to do this? He could have got shot multiple, right? Then from different cops. He may have been. And how do you know who's going to who's going to take that shot? You know. He may he may have been. My understanding is that they tried to tase him first. They tried to tase him. They tried to deploy like the net thing that comes out that that yeah. missed, and they shot him with a beanbag round. So they had, they had tried so multiple de escalation attempts first. And if you're tasing him, so you're pretty close to him, you can touch him. You couldn't take him down. Two cops couldn't take him uh, down. I believe those tasers can can shoot out and stick into somebody. Yeah, oh, oh. you know, you have to keep in mind it's probably a chaotic situation. There's probably yeah. a, a lot of shouting and and um, it's yeah, obvious. Don't you think also that the chief could have um, could have killed him if he wanted to? He shot him in the leg, so maybe he didn't really want to kill him, but to you know stop him. Well, some I folks, mean, he was also supposedly intoxicated. He might have just yeah. tried to kill him and missed. You know, there is a there is a concept there is a concept called suicide by cop where where, where people do things that they certainly someone who's a a, a former fire chief would know that is going to put you in a lot of danger. He was very inebriated. People at the bar were trying to get someone else to drive him home. Uh, uh, it was a terrible situation, but you know it, it really. Well, I think you have to. I mean, I understand that that there is a lot of second guessing of the of, of the cops, particularly to, um, to 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 shoot and kill a a fire chief who was, would have known to them to be that, but. But it's a very, very dangerous situation out there. Well, I agree with a lot of others that called in previous and said that maybe the people who run that bar, I mean, they knew he was he was pretty far gone and they couldn't, you know, cut him off. I, I don't know. They could have certainly have done that. I mean, that would have been one way. And then he probably would have whipped his gun out and took a fit too. Who knows? But but really, the, the, the establishment should have something. To say when they see that you're so inebriated, you know. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure that's going to be that'll be part of this investigation. But I I wonder yeah. how much of it is, you know, how how much of it had he been drinking that they were serving him? How much of it was maybe he was, you know, could have been sneaking something in the bathroom? They could have yeah. they could have been holding yeah. him there to keep. And I think where there was an altercation inside, and then he was an altercation outside. I do believe it's possible that perhaps he was. Um, you know, they, they were trying to hold him there against his will because they felt like he was too drunk to drive. And then we know that one of the arguments that we heard, well, one of the stories that we heard about the argument that happened in the parking lot was he was trying to leave and they wouldn't let him. So that I think that they were trying to keep him from, from driving drunk and that's what set him off. That's just well, my speculation based on what I've heard. Uh, terrible tragedy all around. Hey, Mary, just a little bit of unsolicited advice. One pot orange juice to three pots water. Yeah. With the fluids. It you always know, works for me, but you know, it just It was a very complicated event since there's so many different ways of looking at it, so it's kinda I'm sure they'll probably figure it out for the better. But well happy birthday, Mr. Weisberg, case I don't call in on you on that day. Thank you very much. Yes, all right. Have a good day. You as well. Hope you feel better. Thank you. And uh, we will take more of your calls, 508-996-0500. Caller, hang on. We'll get to you as soon as we come back, but i got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more with Jack Spillane. Back with more with Jack Spillane. Let's go back to the phones, 508-996-0500. You are next with Jack. Hello. Morning, guys. How you doing? Morning. 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 Um, so I, actually, I have a few questions, and I really don't have an answer, 
hopefully you guys have a little more insight. Uh, in regards to liability and the bar, it, something doesn't sit right where the bar is held liable for the actions of a private person. Why, why should we do that? Why should the courts tell the, tell the bar that they are responsible for the adults in the room? Well, I think if the law is that, that if you're over-serving someone to the point where you know that they are incapable of driving and, and can, can kill somebody else who is, who is totally innocent, then you have right. a responsibility to protect society from someone by not over-serving them. I think that's a reasonable law, in my opinion. Um, uh, it is kind of a judgment call as to when someone has been over-served because some people can be holding their liquor pretty well until then all of a sudden it becomes clear that they're not. Um, right. But but uh, I don't... I, I think the judgment part of it is the hard part, but I don't, I don't have any objection to uh, uh, holding a bar accountable for over-serving somebody. Yeah, the whole thing for for me is is it takes away the personal response. Well, it makes the, the bar liable for the personal decisions of somebody else. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, but on, well, the, bar, on the, the, bar, side, the bar didn't get shot to death. You know, the, 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 bar, the bartender or whoever you know was working there didn't get shot to death. The, 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 the ultimate responsibility was, unfortunately, Chief Coderre. You know who? Right, right. No, I under, no I completely understand that. I'm just. I'm just talking about liability in regards to uh, over-serving. I just, don't, I just don't find it right that, that a bar has to now, on, on top of running his, his or her business, has to keep an eye on everybody and, and, and make sure everybody's sober when that's ultimately the responsibility of the individual. I, and, and I would think, I don't know this for sure, but I would also think that even if they found that the bar was over-serving him in this particular case because of the circumstances of what happened, I don't know that there would be any kind of prosecution for them or fine for them. I think it just might be like a, hey, don't do that again, but we're well, not going to yeah, make a big I, I, deal well, out of it. Well, well there have right, been I cases. Just, there, there have been cases where, where establishments were prosecuted or, sure. shut, or shut down. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's, so, that's what I was But I think that, because of the I nature of... I think because of the nature of what happened in this particular case, this wasn't somebody going off and, and smashing into somebody and killing them. This was something that happened right in their parking lot that they, they witnessed. Right. Yeah, and this is a very popular bar in Fairhaven, an institution on Skarnacket Neck. Uh, oh, you know, I, yeah, I, mean, but, I, I, I get it. But, but, but I, I, I compare it to the old, and I'm old enough to remember when you could ride a motorcycle without a helmet. And they came right. in with the, the, the requirement you had to uh, uh, wear a helmet, and people said that that's an infringement on my personal freedom if I don't want to do it. But the problem is, if you get a head injury and you uh, become uh, a brain brain uh, dead but still alive right. and are going to live for another 30, 40 years, it's the state of Massachusetts that has to take care of you. And that's all of us taxpayers because you didn't want to wear the helmet, which could have prevented that injury. So your freedom to do something is not licensed to do something that's going to make everybody else have to pay through the nose for years and years and years because you wanted right. the freedom to have the wind blowing through your hair as you as you rode, rode your motorcycle. No, right. at a certain point, as we realized how how you know high the incidences of head injuries were with motorcycles, that if you want to if you want to ride one in Massachusetts, you have to wear a helmet. Now, when I was working up in New Hampshire for many years, I don't know if it is now, but they still didn't have a helmet law, and you could do that. And I would argue that the taxpayers in New Hampshire you know, had to absorb that cost when people got head injuries. So your freedom isn't such that you can endanger my financial livelihood, you know, and, and my 
personal, you know, life because well, you want to have the freedom to, to 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 have the wind blow through your hair. I know that's right. uh, a, a a kind of a um a flip way of, of putting it, but but sure. that, that was the argument. The, the other thing that I was going to bring up in regards to the council president, just a little, little bit more off, off the original topic. Uh, has it ever been discussed, or just in the electorate even, that rather than have the councils, the councilors elect their own president, have the highest vote getter automatically become president unless he or she doesn't want it? Because that seems to be more the choice of the, the people. Well, you're not voting for council president. You're voting for councilor. And it, it is no, 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 I understand that. No, that, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the highest vote getter, he, in, in this instance, it would be Ian. He'd automatically, because the think, majority of people wanted him, and he, he beat everybody else in, in regards to how many votes they got, he would be automatically installed as president. Unless he declines, and upon which the, the first the problem I see, then pick one. The first problem I see with that is what happens if somebody running for the first time is the highest vote getter, and they become the council president without having any idea how things work. And, and I would say that that the skills that are needed to be a good counselor are not necessarily the exact same skills that are needed to be a good council president. Um, the council council is a body, and they decide among themselves who can run that body the best. That's the way it is in the House of Representatives. That's the way it is in the right. Senate. Uh, in, in I don't know any place virtually that makes the highest vote get it to be the 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 uh, council president or the or the House of Representatives speaker uh, Senate president um, I think I think um, you know they know who's going to well actually we've seen some uh, leaders that that didn't do a very good job so I mean maybe there's something to be said for it but but I I don't know I, I yeah, think my, that it's a different job my, my opinion my opinion on that well my my kind of like idea on that is it the council the city council is like the the voice of the people it's like the legislature right so that's the house of representatives that's the city councilors and the highest vote getter would be who especially when it's you know obviously councilor of lodge would be that that candidate they're the ones who have the the ability that the, the people believe have the ability to lead the most and I think that that's that's where I'm coming from is you could actually elect that. Well, the councilors could elect somebody who is the lowest vote getter that nobody really wanted. And, and I'm not saying this in, in regards to Naomi or or Morad or anybody else, the lowest vote getters. I'm saying in regards to the highest to the lowest, we, we could literally have somebody with the, the lowest confidence of the people become and 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 lead the council and and pretty much set the agenda for the council, even though they're the ones that the, the majority of the electorate didn't want. Well, in fact, Naomi and Linda were the lowest, tied for the lowest, uh, but they're right. the lowest winners. There were, there, were, there, were, there were five people below them who didn't I win. understand. No, that's what I understand. I, there are significant other people that had the, the electorate had more confidence in than those two, and yet now one of them is going to be, and I, and I believe Naomi's going to be a fantastic president. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying hypothetically. Like the electorate actually said, you know what? We don't want these two really. Those well, two were the lowest vote well, they, getters, they, and they, now we're going to make them they, the leader. They weren't saying we don't want these two. They were saying we don't want them as much as we want somebody else. Uh, but I, in your system also, the ward councilors would never have a chance to be council president? Correct. Yeah. Correct. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, technically, yeah. Unless you 
get out Ward 5 and and you get 100% of the voters to turn out in Ward 5, you could definitely beat out the, the councilor at large. I mean, that could be a possibility. But in reality, I, I think I always think that the city, the, the council at large should be the president of the of the of the council. That's, yeah. just, that's a that's a given because they because they represent the entire city. Yeah. My, my inclination is that it's a different job and you really want someone who, who can get all the councils to work together. And that's right. different than being the person that the public likes the best. So a point that was just okay. made to me, too, is that if that was the case, ward councillors would never have a shot because they're always going to get less votes yeah. than the at-large because they're pulling yeah. from a smaller electorate. I got I to just hold you there because we got to take a break, but thank you for the call. Got it. Thank you, guys. And uh, if anybody else wants to call in, 508-996-0500. We'll have a few moments remaining when we get back. More with Jack Spillane and just a and welcome back in. We were talking with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light in the final few moments we have here. Jack, the governor was in, in town last night. Yeah, so the governor governor was there and she swore in the mayor uh she made very brief remarks i i really objected to the fact that she did not address the star store issue she would come all the way to new bedford and not do that i thought that that was really just not good was she available to the media at all they, they did not have any media availability um i called ahead of time to ask what she was up to i got nothing out of either the mayor or the mayor's spokesman the mayor's speech was was very much a rehash of last year's state of the city. I thought uninspiring. Uh, I mean, he's done a lot of good things for the city, but I did not get much out of that speech. And the governor, being there, just to um, say I support the mayor, but say nothing about the biggest issue facing the city, I thought was just. And it, I thought it was arrogant. Like, you know. Well, I mean, I I would say. Surprise, VIP line is Maura Healy calling. <laughs> no, but I, think, I don't think so. I think that, um, you know what, though? We should try and get her on. Like, I'm sure I'm sure Chris has tried. Um, I, I, I've tried we, many times. I mean, we had a pretty good relationship with with Governor Baker. You know, obviously he can't spend all day long calling in to talk radio, but he, he called in frequently. So maybe, maybe we should try to get something regular yeah. with the governor. I, I have tried many times uh, on, on, on the star story in particular, but... It's, she's always been a difficult person to reach. You know, I, I don't think that she's necessarily a bad governor. I'm not sure yet, but but I think that on this issue, she's been terrible. Yeah, and, even and as AG, it was always a, a wall of, of spokespeople. Very managed, very handled, very, very remote. And and I don't, you know, I mean, I I think that kind of glad handing... May have gone at one time in American politics. I don't. I don't think it works so great. Anymore. Well, the critics will tell you she can't take your make a phone call if she's not around to do it. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, she, she got a lot of publicity for that. I've, I I wrapped her once myself on it. But 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 to come to the city that is having such a turmoil with with the, the closure of the star store and say nothing and think she could just get up there for thirty seconds and and, and swear the mayor in. Well, we'll 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 definitely try and get more out of her on that issue. I know you will as well. Uh, we are out of time for today, though.